Sound of Hockey episode 189, we're calling this one the Mike Greenlay episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Mike Greenlay uh, played two games in the NHL, was a 1986 NHL entry draft pick, and he was picked 189th overall. Oh! Now, the (laughs) tie-in is obviously, well, maybe not that obvious, probably only to uh, Darren and I, is that he was the... Was he a color commentator yeah. for the Minnesota Wild for a yep. while? Mm-hmm. Uh, is he? He has. He's not working there anymore. Not anymore. He? No. And I don't. <laughs> well, I won't say it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Good. Because uh, I have a connection to him, uh-huh. and he he used to before the days of StubHub and whatnot, uh, when games were sold out everywhere and it was hard to get tickets, or you had to kind of literally go on the street. Mike Greenlay was able to get me on a list that I could. Uh, pay for uh nhl games and get get in just about anywhere so wow uh, that's how do my, i get on that list well <laughs> i still had to pay so really all you have to do is go into nhl.com and put select tickets and and you're on the Ticketmaster site wow. so, that sounds yeah. great yeah oh so you're telling me to go to Ticketmaster? <laughs> yeah. all right or you know stuff what? up whatever Better yet, neither I think I'll just... <laughs> of which are sponsors, by the way. Neither of which are sponsors. <laughs> I think I'll just continue to use my press pass and not pay anything. How's that? <laughs> that, that's, that works, too. Yeah. Uh, hey, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. It is early on Thursday morning. We've had some scheduling challenges this week, which we will talk to you about in a moment. Uh, so for that reason, we're remote. We are not in Bardown Studios, except for John is in Bardown Studios because yeah, that's confirmed. in his house. Uh, and I am not wearing pants because I woke up about <laughs> 10 minutes ago. So... We'll, we'll keep it off too camera. Much, yeah, we'll keep it off camera bro. today. Let, let us know yeah. if you can tell a difference listening. Yeah. <laughs> pants with Darren and Darren well, with pants. Well, there's the remote aspect of it, right? Like it probably sounds <laughs> oh, yeah, a little bit too, different, but then yeah. there's also, yeah, the no pants episodes. So, um, hey, we have three <laughs> five-star reviews to share with you this Whoa, week, man. which is pretty exciting. Uh, the first one comes from Winger 86 The title is Matt, and then it says, it's all right. Uh-oh. So okay. <laughs> that's it. But it was five stars, so I'm happy right, with it. All right, we'll read it. We've, we'll read yeah, it. We've yeah. always said, you know, give us a five-star review. It doesn't really matter what you write uh, in there. Our, we'll read it. Uh, our winger must have a very high standard if meh warrants five stars. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated it, though. It, it made me yeah. chuckle because, you know, there's obviously some uh, some sarcasm there, I would assume. Or maybe maybe our winger just really does only think it's all right and – but also he's That's just five stars. Yeah. yeah, just bending and and caving in based <laughs> on my whining. Uh, okay, Jeff Smock uh, says five star review haiku. Asked for oh. and received a five star review haiku. Keep up the great work. Love it, love it. Ooh. We're going next level with these reviews. Oh, the last so two have been bangers. Uh, yeah. All right, now this we one should ask, we should ask for a limerick next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something in the I- I- iambic. What's the yeah, iambic pentameter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, now this one might be one of my, well, it might be my favorite ever. Uh, it says ever. five five star. Wow. Oh, you're going to love it. It's from Michigan Max 27 It says, hey, Andy, Darren, and John, my name is Max, and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I'm 12 years old and find myself possessed by random Kraken stats, such as Derek Pouliot had a plus minus of plus six this year. Also, my sort of flex <laughs> is that I saw Maddie play live this year on two different teams, first in November at Yost Arena for Michigan, and then in April at Client Pledge Arena. I even went to Boston for the Frozen Four. Uh, let's not talk about it. Anyhow, That's my cool. dad and I always listen to the podcast on our way to hockey practice in Northgate, and it is a highlight of my week. Please know that you guys have been a great part of my hockey journey, and I always look forward to when a new podcast drops. Sincerely, your loyal listener, Michigan Max. Wow. Awesome. Huh? That is oh, awesome. Way to man. go, Max. Man. And I'm kind of shocked awesome. that Pouliot had a plus six. <laughs> See, that, that's Andy's take. I would not have, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, you learn something every day. And yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's a, a very, very heartfelt, cool thing from Michigan Max there that just yeah. gave me all the feels. And that's what Andy takes. Dang, that's cool. Derek Pouliot. So. Now I'm going to watch my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. That's why we use the bleep horn. We we know we have That's some right. some right. young ears listening. So okay. say whatever wow. you want. Thanks, John. Max. Yeah. Thank you, Max. Uh, and also thank you to our winger. And also thank you to Jeff Smock for the haiku. That was hilarious. So loved <laughs> all three of those. Uh, okay, we're going to start with a WHL update from our WHL correspondent, which I expect to be fairly robust because there's some there's some doings here locally, Andy. What's happening? Uh, well, yeah, last, so the Seattle Thunderbirds are in the Western Conference Finals with against the Kamloops Blazers, mm-hmm. and uh, they played games three and four this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, Seattle split that, so that, that they tied the series two to two uh, last night, which would be, what, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. They played, they, they won an overtime, pretty fun overtime game, they won two to one in overtime, and they did it without two of their best players, so a pretty gutsy win. So they go back to Kamloops now for game five on Friday, and there will be a game six. Uh, Sunday in in the Shower Center at five o'clock, I believe. I believe tickets are on sale if you want to go see that. Yeah, it's been a fun series. Uh, Darren was there for game game four, and we uh, marveled at our game three. Excuse me, and we marveled at Logan Stankoven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, his, the Blazers uh, called that. that uh, they called it a stank <laughs> trick on Twitter, yeah. which made me, yeah. <laughs> made me chuckle. <laughs> He was pretty impressive that night, but Seattle shut him down on, on game four. He was pretty quiet. Yeah, so he's a Dallas pick, correct? Yep, I believe he was a second or third rounder. I forget what he was. In, he's uh, he's zippy. Year. I like watching him play. Yeah. He's fun to watch. He reminded me a little bit. John, remember you and I went to see the Spokane Chiefs play when uh, Kyler Yamamoto was on the team. He reminds me a little bit of Yamamoto, the way he's like pretty small. Uh, there's there's definitely much bigger guys out there than him. Mm-hmm. And he just seems to be a little bit quicker than everybody else. Like he's he's zipping around. So very fun to watch. Uh, and yeah, that, that game, what was that game three, I guess, is what you and I went to together. Yeah. The T-Birds came out just like looking flat, right? And they yeah. gave up three goals pretty early. Uh, I think Thomas Millich, there's definitely a goal in there that he probably would have wanted back because it just kind of trickled out of yeah, the equipment. He was fighting the puck yeah. early in that game too. You could just tell. Yeah, but then he settled down in the second and, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, they might have a chance here. And they did make a game out of it late. They got it back to, uh, I think, within one goal at some point yeah. in the game. Although um, the Blazers goalie, what's his name? Garon, right? Yeah, he, Dylan Garon. He made a huge like split save with eight minutes left in the game that I think kind of sealed that one. Um, so it was like, you know... The Thunderbirds, if they didn't come out the way that they did in that first period, I think that they 
they easily could have won that game. Even if, you know, if it had stayed 2-0, right, I think they probably would have come back and won. Um, but instead, you know, a three-goal deficit is just so hard to, to come back yeah. from because you start to gain momentum and then one goal the other way and it's like, all right, well, there goes all that, you know, like <laughs> we've been battling back here. Um, but so I think my point is that I'm, I'm not surprised to see that they bounced back and won the following night just because even though they, they lost and it was like, you know, kind of lopsided on the scoreboard. It felt like if you gave them a little bit more time or like a couple things went their way earlier on, uh, they would have ended up winning. So I'm not surprised to see it. They, they came back and won that next night. Yeah. Or if you erase the first 10 minutes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah <exactly. clears throat> Which of course you can't do. But, right. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, without some sort of magic or superpowers, <laughs> which we certainly do not have. So, and a friend of the pod, Steve Conowalczyk was there. So it was uh-huh. good to see the Red Deer Rebels coach. Yeah, technically in enemy territory. That's true. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He was in a good mood, though, despite his team getting eliminated from the playoffs <laughs> the week before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's our WHL update. Keep your eye on that because that's uh, pretty fun that that's happening right here in our backyard. The Thunderbirds are on a pretty good run there. So cool stuff. Uh, we now have a bit of a Seattle Kraken update. The Kraken have reportedly, although nothing has been made official, uh, but they've reportedly signed Samuel Buchek out of the Slovakian League. According to Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times, he spoke to uh, Ron Francis, and Ron Francis confirms to him that Buchek has been signed, but that hasn't been officially announced yet by the team. We haven't had a press release or anything like that, so we'll see if that comes in in the next couple of days. Uh, but what we know about Samuel Buchek, he's Buchek, I think. He's 23 years old. He is uh, six foot three, 190 pounds. He's been playing for HK Nitra in the Slovakian league, uh, and he's the leading goal scorer in that league. So that's some interesting stuff there. Certainly some some offensive talent, uh, and I think he went undrafted, right? So he's kind of one yeah, of those. Yeah. yeah. So he follows the other Finnish player that the Kraken brought in, Petro Sepola, uh, who they where they signed him like a month ago, I think. Um, so clearly. You know, they're trying to find some some additional young talent here that will help them, I would guess, fill out Coachella Valley, but you never know. They, these guys yeah, might come in. Yeah, it's a low risk and, signing, right? Right. It's a low risk that they're exactly. going to have to do regardless. Um, it's better than, like, getting a bunch of 27-, 28-year-olds in North America, right, that really have no potential to reach – well, not a lot of high – potential to get to the NHL. So it seems like a relatively low risk and and potentially high upside. We'll see. Yeah. And so which other player plays for HK Nietzsche? That that team name rings a bell for me. Simone Nemec. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Prospect. Yeah. <laughs> you Maybe don't it's say. a little foreshadowing there. So, right. yeah. Well, and I then, you know, I, I do the conspiracy theory thing where I'm like, well, if they found this guy that was undrafted who nobody seemed to be talking about, right, all of a sudden... They're there scouting HK Nitra for another player, such as a potential number four overall pick. And they see this other guy that really lights it up and surprises them. You know, there's something to, to there's a, I think there's a connection there. How, how about that? I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not sure that's much of a conspiracy. I mean, that's okay, probably yeah. exactly what happened. Okay. <laughs> well, Andy was the lead, leading goal scorer. So it's yeah, not like he's stood uh, out. He's flying under the radar, but the one thing is that league doesn't necessarily generate a lot of um, high-end hockey talent, but he's on the younger side of the kind of the league leaders. He's very young. You know, most of the, I kind of clicked through the the lead leaders to see what other kind of people were there, and they're like 33, 32, and then he's Mm -hmm. 23. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's some upside there. 
Guys, I won't lie to you. I just had that panicked feeling where I was clicking around on my computer and I thought that I had not hit the record button when we started this. But I'm happy to report I did actually hit the record button. So we're good. All right. Uh, No pants and you start getting paranoid. (laughs) The old no pants paranoia episode. Uh, Okay, so we also had a couple of Kraken-related signings. Not actual Kraken signings, but Kraken-related signings. So former captain Mark Giordano is returning to Toronto for two more years at a very team-friendly 800K. What were your guys' reactions when you saw that signing? Not Um, not really surprised, right? Um, You know, he's from the area. He wants to win a cup. Like, he's at the stage where he doesn't have too many more kicks at the can. And Mm -hmm. Toronto, you know, is, is... Rough as they've had it lately as far as the playoff goes, they're still a high-end team that is as good as anybody. It has a, well, maybe not as good as anybody, obviously, but um, has a good shot at contending for a cup. I mean, I think they are as good as everybody, though. Like, they they very nearly beat a Tampa Bay Lightning team that just absolutely rolled over the Florida Panthers, which we're going to talk about more in a moment. But, um, you know, Giordano, he is such a, we've talked about it before, he's such a pro. And I remember when he left Seattle, he had told Ron Francis, like, you know, send me wherever you need to send me. I don't care. I know that I have uh, uh, no trade clause, but you can just send me wherever because I don't want to tie your hands or whatever, right? And so he's just, he's a, he's like I say, he's a true pro. He clearly wants to be in Toronto. Uh, and the 800K thing, I saw that and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense if he wants a two-year term, which older guys often want more than a one-year deal. And he's, what, 38 years old? So if he wants a two-year term, he's going to have to take a low dollar amount. And what was interesting, though, is I, I saw everyone being like, oh, my God, what a great deal for the for the Maple Leafs. He really did him a favor with that. But I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, I think that he's, mm. he's probably worth a little more on a one-year deal. But I think at this age, uh, like... Yeah. Not, if you, not a lot more. Yeah, I mean, if you well, want to if you want to pick where you're going to play, and clearly he wants to play in Toronto, like, that's just how it's going to go. So... Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a great, great deal for Toronto, certainly. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I wasn't surprised by that number at all. So the projections I've seen out there, just, just to be clear here, yeah. is he was on the open market. He would probably sign uh, between four and five million on a two-year deal. Wow. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so wait, four and five so million shocking. per year? A year. Per year. Yeah. I would not give him that. No joke. Okay. Well, then he gave them a great, great discount. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we saw it with Joe Thornton when he was playing better and, and, you know, Wayne Simmons is also on kind of a, so that's what people are doing right now to play with, you know, the likes of Mitch Marner and uh, Austin Matthews. Right. And, and for good reason. Yep. Uh, The other one that we thought was interesting and somewhat Kraken related was Brian Rust re-upped in Pittsburgh for six years at more than $5 million, 5.125 per year. Uh, That's a pretty big deal there. The reason that we think it's Kraken related is because that was one of the players that John kept targeting uh, for the Kraken to go after in free agency. So how upset are you, uh, John? And who is your (laughs) replacement player on that list now? Not terribly upset because I think there's uh, several players in this category. You know, uh, Ryan Strom, maybe Andre Barakowski, uh, those guys hopefully hit the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nashushkin as well in Colorado. So, but again, Brian Rust, pretty team friendly. He could have probably got 6.5 on the open market for the same term. So, but there's something to be said about staying with the team that you're at. So that and it's also a good reminder to keep an eye on on pending free agents. We're going to talk a lot about free agents over the next couple of weeks. Um, and 
they can always sign, right? Just like Landis Gog did right before uh, uh, free agency period. So yeah. we can target a bunch of these guys, but if they don't make it to market, we have zero chance of getting yeah. them. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We now move to down on the farm. Moo. <laughs> the Charlotte Checkers are also in a dogfight with the Thunderbirds, but not the Seattle Thunderbirds, the Springfield Thunderbirds. <laughs> What is happening in that series, John? Uh, Charlotte's dropped the first two Uh-oh. games, Uh-oh. and it's not looking good. Now, both of them were on the road because somehow the higher seed team opens on the road in the <laughs> AHL, but uh, the next three are in Charlotte. Uh, they need to win all of them. So, uh, yeah, and Joel Hoffer is uh, the goalie for Springfield because their other goalie, their, their normal starting goalie, is in St. Louis because uh, Bennington's hurt right Uh, now. So we might talk about that in a bit. Yeah. And we also wanted to comment on Ryan Winterton. Has he been playing well? I love that on the show notes here we don't have any actual information. It just says his name, Ryan Winterton. I've got that update. (laughs) Okay. Hit it, John. Take it away. (laughs) So as a reminder, he was the third-round draft pick of the Seattle Kraken last year. Um, Uh He plays for the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL. Now, uh, I was researching this. Now, it's crazy. Hamilton's won their first 11 games of the playoffs. So they haven't lost. So when they're in the wow. third round and they've won every game, Winterton is tearing it up. He's got three goals and two assists in the first three games of the current series, which is the Eastern conference final. Uh, and Hamilton was the top team uh, in the regular season. Knock on wood, knock on wood. We might be able to see him in the Memorial cup. If Hamilton obviously kind of rolls through and, and wins this series. And then the next series we could see him, uh, on NHL Network in the Memorial Cup, which would be kind of fun. Playing against mm-hmm. the Seattle Thunderbirds. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I guess hey. that is possible. Hell no, <laughs> yeah, why not? I already knocked on wood. I'm not going to do it again. I feel like if you knock on wood twice in a row, that unknocks the first knock. The double the double yeah. jinx? Similarly, yeah. like if you're, if you're crossing your fingers, you know how sometimes you'll see people, like they'll cross their, their fingers, then they'll cross more fingers, and then they'll like cross their arms and cross their toes. I've always believed that if you do that, you have to ha- make sure that you have an odd number of crosses. Because if you... If you I cross, heard that, yeah. Yeah, like if you cross your fingers on both sides, wouldn't one just cross the other one out? It's yeah. a cross of the cross, right? I'm so, pretty sure there's extensive uh, research in science that, yeah. that goes into that. Yeah, I think I'll so. look in the analytics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But on Ryan Winterton, like I'm really excited about this guy. Like it, it, you don't want to put too much on a on a you know a prospect who's still in junior because it's still a long road and a lot of things can happen. But I, I really think the Kraken got a steal with him. Just because of the way the COVID affected everything in that draft, because he he played six or seven games his draft year, not because of injury, but because the OHL shut down, and so he wasn't playing anywhere else. He only played in the U18s, and I, I wonder if he had played that draft year, if he might have gone higher in the draft, and Seattle wouldn't have a chance to get him. So might be a diamond in the rough. And so he's yeah, a guy that, so. I, I, yeah, yeah, I think really could surprise. Cool. Uh, okay, that's pretty much everything that we wanted to talk about, I think, from like Kraken realm and local Seattle realm and all that stuff. There have been these NHL Stanley Cup playoffs going on as well, and we did want to dig into that a little bit. So I mentioned last week that in round two, it starts to get a little bit more manageable where you can kind of talk about each each playoff round without getting too in the weeds, so to speak, because there's only four playoff rounds left, right? And now there's only three because... The Tampa Bay Lightning swept 
the Florida Panthers, which we just mentioned recently uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, and in that series, Andre Vasilevsky gave up three <laughs> goals total in four games. <laughs> and interestingly, I think it was game three, maybe I was watching and uh, it felt like Vasilevsky or maybe it was game two. He gave up a stinker of a goal. Like the one goal that he gave up was not a good goal, just like under his arm. <laughs> and he it seemed like the puck was hitting him and bouncing off him and he wasn't really tracking it that well that night. And yet he still only gave up one goal in the game and I think stopped like 33 shots. And I was like, this is the bad version of, <laughs> of Vasilevsky is he gives up one goal. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It was very interesting to see, though. And remember, we talked a little bit about how um, I thought that maybe the Panthers were built more for the regular season based on how things were going in their uh, their series against the Capitals. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I mean, they come out against the Lightning and just get spanked. I mean, they it was like it was not a good series in any way. Like there was just never a chance for Florida to to win that series. And it's surprising because last year, these two teams played an amazingly entertaining series. And it just felt kind of like, I don't know if this is what Tampa did to them, but it just felt kind of dull, all the games. It didn't seem to be a whole lot of excitement. It, it yeah. didn't seem like they got the, the quality chances, right? So yeah. even when they were getting shots, they weren't, they didn't seem like high potential shots. Uh, uh, Barkov didn't look as elite as he really is. I I don't know if there was an injury or something. I haven't seen anything reported on it, but it just... It just looked weird. It looked like they yeah. just weren't weren't ready or haven't elevated their game to the playoff. And and sometimes it takes you know a couple couple playoff rounds of losing or a couple playoff years of losing, and and all of a sudden you know you figure out okay we really need to do that. And that's kind of what happened with Tampa a bit, right? Is is they had to lose before they won. Um, I know it sounds pretty cliche, but uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Now they went out with a whimper, which I think is a good way to describe a cat. But I'm curious what happens now with Andrew Burnett, because obviously he's still on an interim tag, but he also is a Jack Adams finalist, right? So, I mean, that's a that's kind of a tough call. Like, I would I would think they bring him back because ever since he went behind the bench officially as the in the head coach role, I mean, the team was great, right? Like they were so, so good playing under him. But then they didn't really show it in the playoffs. I mean, they squeaked past Washington. It was way closer than I think it should have been based on talent on the two sides. But then, I don't know, didn't do much in the second round. And then on the lightning side of things, uh, Andy, you tweeted it the other day. You were like, man, Tampa Bay looks champion-y. <laughs> I'm like, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. They really do. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, just the way they, they you know, won the last two games with the Toronto series, I thought those were pretty gritty wins, uh, if you will. And then, yeah, they sweep the president's trophy team and they just have that look to them. You know, Vasilevsky helps obviously, but, uh, they just, they can, they're still impressive. They can still play like a bunch of different ways. Like, you know, they can shut you down. I remember last year, Florida tried to run with them, you know, run and gun with them. And they played that well that way too. And won. Yeah. so they're, I mean, they're just such a solid team and they put together such a great group and they're doing it. They did this Without Braden Point, all series they swept mm-hmm. them without you know arguably one of their top players, if not their best offensive player. So yeah, they they look really good. So they're going to be fun to watch. See, I I kind of I kind of like would like to see three in a row for some reason, some weird reason. I don't no, know why. no, no, no. Kind of, I'm kind of intrigued <laughs> by that. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing real uh-huh. quick is uh, Florida losing helps out the Kraken because uh, their yeah. second round pick that they got from Calgary actually. Uh, was Florida's. Um, so them losing, now that pick gets a uh, higher value. Good point. So, uh, yeah. We have the Battle of Alberta, which has been a little bit wonky. Just as everybody expected, the Edmonton Oilers are up 3-1 in that series. Uh, I will say I did not 
anticipate that that would be the case. I thought Calgary was not necessarily going to steamroll, but I thought they were going to win handily. Like I thought it was going to be like a 4-2 type of series for Calgary. Uh, But we'll see what happens there. Uh, So there's been a couple of interesting things in this one. First off, in game four, I guess it would have been, there was a hilarious goal at each end of the ice as Markstrom, (laughs) like 20 seconds into the game, passed a puck right onto the stick of, I think it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins from behind the yep. like, And it was one of the worst passes I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> well, it, it was almost, a great pass. It almost, it didn't, great yeah, pass. It almost didn't look like he whiffed on it even. It was like, here's where I'm trying to pass the puck <laughs> yeah. with zero pace on it, just right into a dangerous area. And, oh, by the way, I'm behind the net. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is that. But then later think, in the I game. It's hard, it's hard to make saves from behind the net, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It definitely uh, is. Yeah. And then yeah, <laughs> later in the game, Mike Smith gives up a goal from inside Calgary's oh. blue line to make up for it. But then, you know, you see that. And that happened while you and I were at the Thunderbirds game, Andy. But you yeah. see that and you're like, well, now Edmonton has to lose, right? But somehow <laughs> they put that behind them and ended up winning that game 3-1. to one. So uh, now yeah. people are starting to look ahead to Colorado uh, against Edmonton, which could be very fun. Colorado is up 3-2. to two in that series against St. Louis, but but St. Louis did, uh, with their backs against the wall, have quite the win last night, didn't they, John? Yes, they did. Uh, they were down 3-0 um, and climbed back in it to tie it up uh, in the third, only to go down by one when McKinnon went complete beast mode yeah. and went end-to-end. By now, I'm sure everybody's seen that goal, but it was, it was insane and uh, probably... 100 people on my Twitter timeline were tweeting about <laughs> yeah, it. So, I, was like, um, I was like, oh, did McKinnon score a nice goal or yeah, something? Yeah, did McKinnon do something? <laughs> I don't know. Weird. Uh, but then St. Louis pulled a goalie with about two minutes left, Darren. Um, and and That's a good Robert reasonable Robert good reasonable time to pull your goalie. And Robert Thomas uh, uh, banged one in, a dirty one, in, in front of the net with a minute left. And uh, then they'd go on to win in overtime. So pretty exciting, pretty exciting game. Uh and it's nice that we're going to get another game of that series at least. So yeah. uh, very cool. Well, and that does not surprise me that, you know, St. Louis is showing some resiliency there. I think that they're better than anybody gave them credit for. And yeah. to me, I think that's the big test for Colorado before. Like, it feels to me like all roads are leading to Colorado against Tampa Bay in the final. Uh, but I think that oh St. God, Louis is yeah. the big is the big test here for Colorado. I think that. You know, as fun as I think McDavid against McKinnon will be in the next round, if that's what ends up happening, uh, I I think that Colorado would win that series handily. That's my guess, right? Which is funny because a week ago I was saying I'm I'm not sold on Colorado as a as a cup winner, but now I'm like, well, you know, if they can get back, if they can get past St. Louis, I think that that's that's the biggest test for them. So uh, there has been some interesting narratives happening in this one uh, and some unfortunate one, too, uh, because Bennington got run over by Nazem Kadri, who obviously Nazem Kadri has kind of like played the villain role his whole career here. Uh, but what's been happening is so Bennington goes out of the series with an injury after that game. Bennington is walking down the hallway and he throws a water bottle at Nazem Kadri while okay. Nazem Kadri is doing a post-game interview. And then all this like hate starts flowing in from fans where they're threatening him online and using racist comments and is- Islamophobic comments and all this stuff. Uh, and it's very disappointing that 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 kind of crap continues to happen. And I, you know, I think about like me as a fan and I've, I've really hated some players over the years, you know, but never in my mind have I been like, oh, you know what? I should message that guy something 
racist. Let him know how much I hate him. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, oh, I should probably make that guy have some fear with him and yeah. his family. Like that's that's so messed up. <laughs> like what what goes through people's mind? I just I don't know. There's don't, there's a line know. that you just don't cross as a fan. And also how like messed up in the brain do you have to be to actually send something like that to another human being? Like I get that he's a he's a star athlete and he's in the public sphere, but it's like just it's, whatever. It's, it's just really ridiculous. disappointing. Like it's well, it, if if you if that's your reaction to your team losing um in that or your player getting hurt. Mhm. Get a life, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yes. seriously, get a life. Well, Kadri got the the last laugh, so to speak, because then yeah. the following oh, night God, he yes. goes out yeah. in St. Louis, scores a hat trick. The Blues are doing it. all these things to basically like try to almost try to injure him. It looked like. I mean, when yeah. there's been twice where Perron in that game uh, and Perron actually ended up getting fined for it. But, like Kadri scores a goal, Perron puts his elbow up and tries to put it right through Kadri's oh, chin, that was, uh, misses. Yeah, that was yeah. dirty. And then there's another one where where Kadri gets thrown down to the ground, and then Perron jumps on top of him and he's punching him, and it's just like, man, oh man, like Kadri is clearly under their skin. He's you know, so it's funny because I've always been somebody who has kind of rooted against Nazem Kadri because of his sort of checkered past of dirty hits and things like that. And now I'm suddenly a huge Nazem Kadri fan. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm the same, same way because all of a sudden so I'm excited. like, yeah. yeah, he's a UFA too, right? And I'm like, oh, I might, I might like enjoy <laughs> seeing Kadri in Seattle. Yeah. So he is on the older side, so I don't want to kind of go down that path and not. Yeah. But um, yeah, it it's. Uh, He's playing pretty well. And and to go back on the actual in- injury to Bennington, I saw an overhead video of it, and it didn't look like Kadri was was going to hit him based on the path he was taking to the to the net. Um, there was a scramble for an open putt or a, 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 a uncovered puck, like kind of in the crease. And then uh, the St. Louis player kind of, uh, I think it was Kale Rosen, kind of clipped him, and literally they both knocked into Bennington. So... I don't think there was much there on the play and there was no penalty called or anything or no disciplinary action yep. either. So I don't, yes, he's got a checkered path and he's probably going to go harder than most into those situations, but I really don't think there was anything there and, and the league and the officials totally agree with that too. Yeah, so. I don't either. I mean, I think I, I totally get the idea of like, well, if it were another player who doesn't have the past that Nazem Kadri has, Right, he probably pulls up or hits the brakes or something to stop from right. going into the goalie. But because right. it's Kadri, he's going to just keep going and run into the goalie. But I mean, I don't think there's any kind of malicious intent. He did get bumped by the defender to move him directly into the goalie. So yeah, and similarly to in the the Calgary series, Milan Lucic ran into Mike Smith, and that was like a big big to do, right? Where everyone's all upset with Lucic, but like again, like. Mike Smith spun around and it's just like, right. it doesn't look like there's a lot of malicious intent there. Uh, and Lucic led, a, led up a lot on that yeah. one too, yeah, right? he was yeah. stopping, yeah. And comically, Lucic, after that game or maybe the following day, was like, well, if I actually charge the goalie, neither of us would be playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that quote so much. That was so good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, lots of drama right now, which um, is pretty cool. Go ahead, Andy. On the Kadri thing, like, Darren, when you said, like, for years you've hated him, like, I, I think it's important... I, I think there's a difference between sports hate because there's a lot of players, you know, as a fan, you're like, I hate that guy. You don't really hate him, right? It's a sports hate. Right, yeah. And, and it's not like, but then the, the, these people cross the line, uh, these, these idiots that were messaging us, messaging their cat's Instagram 
uh, DMing horrible things. Like, so it's not even like they're, they're messaging the player. They found his cat's Instagram account and uh, and went went at it that way. So, uh, like John said though, I, or whoever you said, I, I was rooting for him in that game. And when he scored that first goal and kind of gave it to the crowd, I was all I was all for that. Uh, you know, and, and he he does obviously has a checkered pass, but I think he's done a good job of of trying to. Just play the game this year. I think that's why he's had such a great season. Well, yeah, and he's matured. You know, I I think back to like remember Matt Cook. He was such a villain, yeah. right? And oh, I yeah. despised Matt Cook. And he'd have all yep. these dirty hits. He'd get suspended every year, and it get longer and longer. And then he comes and plays for the Wild, right? And I'm like, oh god, <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> but no, it wasn't quite like that. But I okay. was. I, it was interesting to see how he changed. Like he did not have a bunch of dirty hits. You know, yeah. he played hard. He played on the edge, but he would he would stop himself. He wouldn't. And I think Nazem Kadri has gone through that. And, you know, he he gave an interview uh, the other night where he was like, hey, I've I've recognized that I'm a lot more valuable when I'm on the ice than yeah. when I'm you know. And so he's just letting his play speak for itself. And uh, you know the. Blues fans don't seem to like it, so uh, it is what it is. He handled himself really well in that that whole situation, I thought, just with his interviews and post-game. And you wonder if when he was younger, would he have reacted to Perron differently? He might have. Probably would have. So, yeah. yeah. Perron's not the cleanest player either. Like he's got a history as well. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Uh, the last series is Rangers and Carolina, so they are tied two to two. Uh, I guess kind of the big narrative there is that the Hurricanes, for as good as they are, and they're you know tied two to two in a second round series here, they have not yet won on the road in the entire playoffs, which is a bit concerning. Yeah, it seems like something you're going to have to do eventually if you yeah. want to win the yeah. Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're the President's Trophy winner. Who, doesn't exist anymore in the playoffs. Right. They aren't. <laughs> All right. That's our NHL playoff talk. We now move on to a hypo thetical. <laughs> which made its triumphant return after a long hiatus last week. Uh, so here's our hypothetical. Uh, is it triumphant? It is. I don't know. I don't know if people actually like this. I don't even know if I like this segment that much. <laughs> So this week's hypothetical, uh, the Senators have said that they're willing to trade the seventh overall pick for a top four defenseman. And so I think we started thinking about like who who from the Kraken would even fit that mold that they might want. And John, you had thought about maybe Vince Dunn. Do you make that trade, Vince Dunn, for the seventh overall pick? I don't. Well, it really comes back to what um, what's the objective of the of the year, right? Yeah. Or in general, the franchise, right? Do they want to win a cup, put themselves in the best situation to win a cup in five years, then the decision's relatively easy. If you want to put a competing team on the ice next year and hopefully make the playoffs, uh, I I don't know if you do because there's no guarantee about that seventh overall pick. Yeah. Particularly this year, which is not the, you know, it, it, it's just it's just not a deep year or you don't have like this really really high-end talent now i do think that's a little who knows if that's really true because i thought last year there was a lot of talk about it not being this high-end draft and i think all the players have like really exceeded their expectations in their in their following year wherever they're playing so i don't know if i do that in its current form if you're just asking me because i want to put a, a contending team on the ice and put the best team forward in the next two years right and the seventh overall doesn't get doesn't add to that just yet. 
That is true. And I think, you know, the Kraken already have a number two pick from last year. They have a number four pick. Like if if I'm deep in the first round of the draft, I might have a desire to move up into that top 10. Yeah. But just based on like where they're at, like they already have a couple of blue chip type of prospects off of this draft and last draft. So yeah, I think I probably don't make that deal, especially with the lack of offensive talent. Like Vince Dunn does bring an offensive element from the blue line. So yeah, I would agree with you, John. Uh, we now move on to our weekly one-timers. Whoops. Our first weekly one-timer. Whoops. The Vancouver Giants have made history by doing what, Andy? Well, they uh, the WHL Bantam draft uh, just happened, and they drafted a young woman mm-hmm. uh, defenseman to, to play for their team. Her name is Chloe Primerano, and she was playing uh, uh, in the Burnaby Winter Club, which is a big hockey uh, academy in Vancouver. Uh, and uh, it's pretty cool. She's the first skater to be selected in a CHL uh, a draft. You know, there's been some goalies in the past, but never, never, never a skater. She went in the 13th round, so this is, a, you know, a bit of a flyer, but it's going to be really interesting to see how she progresses. I actually saw a guy who I follow on an account who scouts Bantam players from when I covered the the, the WHL, and uh, this this one guy had mentioned her before the draft. Like, I just want to shout out that this this – this girl is really good defenseman, and he didn't wasn't predicting she'd be drafted. But so I mean, apparently she's she's got the goods, obviously. So uh, kudos to her. It'd be cool to see if she can actually get into a game or make the team. You know, thirteenth round picks usually don't, but that doesn't mean she can't. That's right. Uh, okay, very cool stuff there. Our next weekly one timer. We have some coaching news again. Uh, so Rick Bonus is out in Dallas. It kind of sounded like he resigned. And then all the assistants have left there or been released or whatever as well. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then our good friend, John Tortorella, uh, has been interviewing in Philadelphia. So perhaps we see him behind the bench again sometime soon, question mark? I, I kind of hope he, he coaches Philadelphia because their, their media can be a little uh, intense at times. And- uh-huh. I just think an intense media and John Tortorella, it's a great match. Yeah. I wonder if he softened it all as a member of the media. Sure. Maybe. Doubt it. <laughs> Doubt it. Our next weekly one-timer. <laughs> Tempe, Arizona uh, has a arena on the docket for a city council agenda meeting. City council meeting agenda. Did I say that right? I think so. On June sure, 2nd. Sure. Uh, now, this does not mean that a deal is done or anything like that. What does it mean, John? I know you're very familiar with city council arena things. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of, we kind of, yeah, I love it. I love the, I love the uh, city council docket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is something we kind of alluded to a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, ASU's arena and the temporary facility that, um, the Coyotes will be playing in next year. The, the facility is not temporary. Them playing there is temporary, hopefully. Um, but the bigger issue is what they're doing after that, and they need to get this Tempe arena done. Now, just my experience says don't overreact to any flashy headlines one way or the other because a lot of this is optics and kind of you know uh, really spin by – politicians and teams and stuff like that. So don't overreact, um, particularly if they're bashing uh, the Coyotes, because that seems to be the common uh, thread a lot. Um, But this is the big deal. So keep an eye on that next week. I'm sure there's going to be news out of that. uh, But I think this is still a long way from from getting complete. And our last weekly one-timer. 
Uh, we had Mark Stone announcement uh, this week from the Vegas Golden Knights that he had a successful lumbar discectomy at uh, Cedar sinai Marina Del Rey Hospital. Now, the only reason that I wanted to mention this, uh, so by the way, he's expected to be ready to play next season, but is it a coincidence at all that we have another disc measuring contest on a Jack Eichel team? I don't know. No. Okay. Obviously, he brings that with him. Got it. That's our weekly one-timers. We now move on to our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week comes from Brad Marchand of the mm-hmm. Boston Bruins. Everybody's heard of him. Yeah, heard of him. Heard so of him. he sometimes he will look for his mentions because uh, a writer by the name of Ian McLaren, who I think was once a colleague of mine way back when at the Hockey Writers, but uh, he tweeted out medium hot take: If Patrice Bergeron retires, the Bruins should absolutely explore the trade market for Brad Marchand. So that's his tweet. Okay. Brad Marchand sees that somehow because <laughs> he wasn't tagged and responds: Tough take. <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's it okay john you're tweet of the that, week. i love that every oh. now and then he i love that every now and then he'll he'll respond to people talking about him yeah john your tweet of the week so my tweet of the week comes from its handle is unfortunate hky so unfortunate hockey and <laughs> uh the name is hockey images that precede unfortunate oh, yeah. events sure yeah. so so in the colorado st louis uh game five nathan mckinnon went coast to coast and uh, put Colorado up by uh, a goal with with less than three minutes left, and that was his hat trick. And so, obviously, the hats came raining down from the stands because it was in Colorado, and all of a sudden, you know, like it looked like Colorado was planning on winning us. We know now that they lost. So the picture is literally of the ice in Colorado covered with hats uh, after McKinnon because uh, hmm. it was an unfortunate event. Got this it. is more of a shout out to that. Twitter handle, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hockey images that precede unfortunate events. It is awesome. <laughs> My tweet of the week, uh, Tarek Elbasher tweeted out just a picture of the water bottle that uh, was allegedly thrown at Nazem Kadri by Jordan Bennington. Jeff Patterson, who covers the Canucks, retweeted it and said, damn, I wish this had happened between the Oilers and the Flames because it would be the bottle of Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sh- uh, we now uh, close the show with Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week is Kent Johnson, who I guess now plays for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but he's, he's over at the Worlds with Team Canada, and he scored a goal in the tournament, and he became the first Canadian, which is pretty impressive if you think about who's played for Team Canada, to score a goal in the World Juniors, the Olympics, and the World Championships in the same year. Oh, that's so kind of quirky, cool. but yeah. kind of quirky. That's, you know, it doesn't it. always happen, but yeah, just the way things worked out this year, he was able to do that. Good stuff. John, your star of the week. Uh, my star of the week is Zach Hyman for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Uh, he's he's having quite the series. He's got five goals in the last four games um, and a big, big reason why Edmonton's leading that series. So Zach Hyman. Cool. My star of the week, uh, I didn't actually have one. So at the last second, I Googled NHL stars of the week to try to figure out who's done impressive things. And for some reason, the first hit on Google brought me to the NHL stars of the week from like a random week in 2007. So for that reason, my star of the week is Mark Recchi. That's it. That's all I got. Mark Recchi. All right. You don't even know what he did that week? No, I didn't look into it too much, but I saw his name and went with it. 
Score right, a couple goals. We're out of time. Uh, we had a hard cutoff today, so we're going to jump off of here. But, hey, thank you so, so much to the folks that uh, left their five-star reviews. We had our winger, we had Jeff Smock, and we had Michigan Max. Uh, please do leave your five-star review, and we will read it on next week's episode. Subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on uh, Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And we will talk to you all very soon for episode 190. Cheers. Cheers.